It's planting season, and it's not too late to make sure your crops grow up fed and happy. Regardless of your spring crop, Fed and Happy offers a variety of worm-casting solutions in liquid and solid form to supercharge your soil, your yields, and your profitability. For fast, vibrant germination and seedling growth, mix your seed with Fed and Happy's screened granular castings pre-drilling. The Fed and Happy liquid seed treat and extracts offer the ideal mix of soluble solids loaded with living beneficial biology, mycorrhizal fungi, humates, and more. The Fed and Happy small spreadable castings are ideal for fast, easy soil incorporation. The large offer long-term stability and soil growth. But you don't have to figure this out on your own. Just call 833-GO-WORMS to speak with our farm team experts for a fast turnaround on a custom solution for your needs. Fare better against pests, disease, drought, and other potential hazards this season with Fed and Happy Worm Castings. Visit FedandHappy.com for a healthy harvest and any lawn, garden, and tree care needs. Available for pickup and on-farm delivery. That's F-E-D-N-Happy.com. Or call 833-GO-WORMS. Happy planting. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's high time. We had a high time. Together. Together. Yes, it's high time. We had a high time. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host in Cannabis Lifestyle Guide. April is here, and y'all, even in a pandemic, spring has sprung. This forced slowdown and human separation has created an opportunity to deepen our connection with nature. With fewer cars on the roads and less people milling about, I'm appreciating the birds singing their sweet songs into bluer skies. When I'm on my daily casually baked walks, the greens seem greener to me and the trees and flowers in bloom, y'all, they are my closest companions these days. At home, I'm fortunate to have on hand enough flour, edibles, drinkables, concentrates, and tinctures to just push right on through the rest of 2020. Now, I'm not anticipating us having to do that, but I am diving into this social distancing thing like a 420 staycation and silent retreat. If you're not so lucky to have that kind of a stash, today's guest is here with your long-term solution. We're digging into casual cannabis gardening with my name twin, Joanna Silver, a James Beard award-winning author who writes mostly about plants and people. Joanna's second book, Growing Weed in the Garden, a no-fuss seed-to-stash guide to outdoor cannabis cultivation, was released at the end of March, just in time for your spring planting projects. Joanna is a contributing editor at Better Homes and Gardens, and her work has been featured in Martha Stewart Living, the San Francisco Chronicle, and Alta Journal of California. Previously, Joanna spent 10 years at Sunset Magazine, 
beginning with a shovel in her hands and culminating as head of the garden department. In 2016, she oversaw the creation of new editorial test gardens as part of the brand's historic move from Menlo Park to Oakland and Sonoma. If you're kind of curious with a backyard and time on your hands, this podcast is for you. I encourage you to find a cozy spot with a VIP view of spring in all her glory and settle in. It's time to get casually baked. I got the bottle of wine, the high dollar kind. I got the West Coast smoke, but I better just take one. Congratulations on the book release, Joanna. I'm so happy to have you here today. I'm thrilled to be here with you. My name twin is spelling and pronunciation. <laughs> That's right. And I know this isn't how you and I plan to celebrate, but it's the best we can do in this strange current reality. And I feel like you're so close yet so far away somewhere in Berkeley, right? Yep, Berkeley. <laughs> well, thanks for joining me on the podcast to talk about your new book, Growing Weed in the Garden. I think what you've done is such an amazing guide for casually growing cannabis in your garden. I love that when you started, you possessed this deep understanding of gardening, but not of cannabis, which is, I think, where a lot of gardeners are. So tell us a little bit about your background and how cannabis found you. Absolutely. So I spent 10 years at Sunset Magazine and started in the garden there in the dirt, um, running their editorial test garden. So designing and building small gardens that ended up getting published in the magazine and eventually got trusted indoors and became the head of the garden department. And I had an incredible career there and lost my job when the company was bought by private equity in late 2017. And it also happened to be the last week of my maternity leave when I got canned, which is another story for another time. Yeah, that's a whole other episode, right? Whole other thing. And I was desperate to still work. And I had a fire under my ass because I I wasn't going to be sort of given the, the title of stay at home mom. I was just it was very confusing. So I emailed every editor I ever worked for saying, I'm available, I want to write for you, and um, because truthfully, I like writing a lot more than editing. And one of the people I emailed, Kitty Morgan, had been one of my editors-in-chief at the magazine, and she had landed at the San Francisco Chronicle, and I just said, Kitty, I'm around, I'd love to write for you. And I figured she would give me assignments about, you know, container gardening or yeah. whatever, edible, edible gardening, whatever, in my wheelhouse, been there, done that. Mm-hmm. And she said, I want you to grow weed in your garden and document it as a gardener. And I was just like, what? Um, you know, in <laughs> January of 2018 is when recreational use and growing went into effect. And I told her, I don't even know where to get seeds. And she said, great, that's your opening line. And so suddenly I had my marching orders from the San Francisco Chronicle to grow weed in my backyard and document it as a gardener. And I very much, um, I knew nothing. I knew nothing. And I really, truly didn't know where to get seeds. But I know how to garden and I know how to write about gardening and report about gardening. And so I very quickly navigated my way to 
some amazing mentors and people and began the journey. And as a gardener, I'll tell you, I got very interested in the plant quickly. For one thing, it's horticulturally unique in that it's dioecious and there are males and females. When I learned that, I was like, what? Because that's super rare in the plant world. Right. Um, I saw in your book, you said that there's only a couple of plants that we're familiar with that are like that. Yeah, like kiwi, you know, um, or spinach. But who cares? Because you don't want your spinach to flower anyway. But for a plant that like it's like having tomatoes be male and female and you have to kill half your crop to get the one you want. I mean, it's just. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Well, and it sounds so complex and and intimidating when you say it like that. I mean, I don't think I was intimidated. I guess I could. Well, I, I guess that's because I'm not a gardener that I'm right. like, Ugh. I'm just like, what? Like, that's cool. And that there's like this whole phrase called plant sexing. I was like, oh, sign me up. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, horticulturally, I was intrigued pretty quickly. And then as the project grew and grew, I started to take it a lot more seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how we found me. Yeah, well, I appreciated the full transparency intro that you gave because, you know, to me, it means everything that you recognized the importance of reverence for the plant as you took on the project of learning to grow cannabis in your home garden. And, you know, flipping through the pages of the book, I noticed some of my favorite regenerative farmers or farms and heritage growers are actually in your book. So I'd love for you to tell me about your experience engaging with the Emerald Triangle farmers and how they shaped how you presented the information. Absolutely. So I was cranking through my stuff for the Chronicle and knew that there was a book here. And so when I started writing the book, initially I wanted to have a chapter on um, pretty cannabis gardens around the country. And that was extraordinarily hard to produce. And so a lot ended up being in the Emerald Triangle with super small farms that look more garden-esque than farms, and then a few random other residential growers in my area. And I would say that when I went to the Emerald Triangle um, is when the book became less of a funny joke, like, isn't this hilarious that this is where my career has gone? Ha ha, stoner, high school, Joanna, and really came face-to-face with this plant as a livelihood and what that means, what that's meant for people who have been growing it and have served time in jail for it, um, what, who have been, who are growing it and growing it so sustainably um, ahead of the curve from all other sustainable farmers I know. Um, and it just became a much more real project and the economic hurdles that they face and, you know, the uncertainty. And I, and I just felt very humbled that I was let in um, and grateful for the sharing of knowledge. And I felt um, I have a responsibility to get their stories right and talk about this plant in a way that does pay, pay respect to all those who have come before me, whether you know, it's people of color in jail for minimal use, or like I said, people who have served time in jail for growing it or just anything. It's a real big part of a lot of people's lives. Well, and two, the the heritage and the family, you know, there's 
people that are, you know, third generation farmers there. Or, you know, what I really love are these growers with small children. And these kids are growing up being a part of this ecosystem and and learning how to be responsible stewards of the land and and being able to take this cannabis farming knowledge and bring it into the modern cannabis culture. I think it's just a really sweet um, little story to be able to tell about the Emerald Triangle. It's an incredible place. You know, I've never been that deep in my state, um, just geographically out there. Mm -hmm. And it's absolutely beautiful. And the ways these people take care of their land. And I went to some other farms, you know, I've been to some other farms that aren't represented in the book, but the way people adapt their growing practices to their land, whether it's on the hills or if it's flat and they can dry farm, um, the way they're, yeah, fully integrated with other crops and just a really integrative approach to health. It's super dreamy. I'm not going to lie. I wish I was there right now. (laughs) Well, and you know, questioning all my life choices right now. (laughs) Well, I was about to say you're an excellent example of getting paid to be yourself. You know, that's something that I've strived for. And so I always like to acknowledge and rave about people who are doing what they love and getting to dive deeper into it. So since we're not together, virtual high five coming at you for that one. Yeah. Um, So you write in your book, uh, quote, I sure as hell hope you have as much fun reading and using this one as we had making it. Tell me some of your favorite parts about documenting your first experience growing cannabis. Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. When I, I wrote another gardening book that I did not have half as much fun writing, I had some fun. And I remember my editor at the time told me, just have fun with it. You can tell when somebody's having fun. When you read the book, you can tell. And with this one, oh my God, I had a blast the whole time, the whole time. So some of my, the most fun parts, well, I have to say just on a professional level, um, having lost my job, which was like the dream job that, you know, the person who had it before me held it for 40 years. And I was like perfectly happy to think I was going to grow old at that job. Right. And such Um, an amazing publication. It was, and it was great. You know, I went to Alaska to interview peony farmers and I was, you know, down in outside of San Diego with this like Latino protea grower. And I don't even know know what that is. (laughs) Just cool, just cool places, (laughs) cool plants, cool people. And then, you know, I, I thought I didn't know that it could go up from there. So just professionally to be that level of creative again, on all things, like organizing photo shoots with all my old cronies from Sunset, you know, who are all now freelance and, mm-hmm. you know, the prop stylists and the this person and the that person. I think some of the most fun, absolutely the interviews and shaping the interviews, sitting down to write the interviews. How am I going to capture these people um, in some cases, poke just the right amount of fun at them? Like I'm thinking about their incredible old rock and roller who like is so cool like too cool for school Uh and yet like as a gardener kind of falls a little short and his wife knows it his wife is like a hardcore no-till amazing gardener and zero's like growing his weed in kiddie pools because he's scared that the of the weed actually of the roots touching the ground (laughs) so like how to poke like a little bit of fun you know Um, yeah I had a lot of fun writing and then I don't know, the photo shoots, they gave me life. We were like on a scrappier budget than, you know, my Sunset Magazine shoot. So 
you know, a lot of times just pretending to be our own stylist and just, we took like way too long with a napkin and a shot. It was like a half day <laughs> shot. And I, okay. And then I think the last, we snuck in a chat, we snuck in a bit of like cooking at the end and we infused um, chocolate sauce with can of oil. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a big user at all. And I was, we sort of half-assed the infusion because we just really needed it to, for looks. And so I had not, I didn't decarb the weed. We just kind of um, put it in the oil and soaked it around for a few minutes on the heat, but I didn't like properly put it in the oven at this temperature for this long and da 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 da. Yeah. So but I you do really get a little bit of that decarbing happening with the heat well, period. I chugged the hot sauce, the chocolate sauce, not because I wanted the weed, but because I'm much more of like a chocoholic. And I got high and I got everyone on that photo shoot high. (laughs) And it was like not a group of people that has ever gotten high together and wasn't expecting to. And it was fun. That is hilarious. And everybody did well. Did you get extra creative after that? No, that was kind of at the end. And I was, I was like worried about one person driving home, but she assured me she was fine. I think I was by far the highest. I've been like, chugging. <laughs> I came home and like, or redid my whole kitchen. I'm not kidding. Not an exaggeration. Like I came home and I moved the plates from this spot to that spot. And did so you did get creative. <laughs> I did. It didn't benefit the book, but it benefited my home. That's awesome. Well, so within the cannabis industry, There's nothing casual about cultivation, and most of the growing info that you find online is for those hardcore growers. And so I like how your book fits that niche of the newbie casual gardener, not a quote-unquote grower, Um, because there is certainly a distinct difference between the two of them. I just feel like you really do a great job of taking the pressure off and making it a lot less intimidating. And I liked that you shared in your book what your definition of a real gardener is. Will you share that with our listeners? Oh, yeah. It's so sad because it's actually some beautiful thing. And I've just continued to paraphrase it for like a decade and butcher it. But I was once told that a gardener is someone who kills a plant and keeps going. So it's not about keeping something alive. It's just about a curiosity to keep learning and keep trying. Because gardening should be enjoyable. It should not be adding anxiety to your life. It should be, if anything, alleviating it a little bit. I say that, you know, I'm out in my garden. I hate it half the time. I go out and I stand and I look and I hate things, but I keep going. Um, Yeah. I just try things and... You know, it's how I garden anything else. I'm not going to go balls to the wall on any one plant. You know, you're going to get a little tough love in my garden. And if you survive, cool, you can hang. Yeah, so right. I wanted to see how I could grow weed and grow good weed, um, but not be buying a ton of strange stuff and working extra hard. My tomatoes don't need extra. Right. Know. Yeah. So it's like, so if you fit with my style of gardening and you'll grow, then great. Welcome to the ensemble. Yes. And I think furthermore, I think there's just a real disconnect between weed and gardening. You know, a lot of growers who are, you know, grow only weed. um, And so they speak a different language than the rest of us gardeners. They use different terms. 
There are some really wonky cultivation practices that I think come from having been out um, indoors for so long. So it's just like, it turns out weed is a plant just like any other plant. So my hope, and I say this in the book, you know, if you learn to grow cannabis from a cannabis grower, you're going to learn how to grow cannabis. If you learn how to grow weed from me, you're going to learn, I think, how plants in general grow and hopefully also feel more empowered to just get out there and get your hands dirty and grow whatever you want. Yeah, just put your hands in the dirt and get started. Yeah, because you you do a great job of helping people even figure out, you know, where in your garden do you want to do this? And then walking through all of the phases. So handheld, um, guided approach. But the thing that I really like that you do, because, you know, everybody doesn't live in the same place and have the same conditions. And so I liked that your book shared so many different perspectives, you know, beyond that of the sophisticated California cannabis farmer dropping knowledge. You also showcase regional cannabis gardening perspectives and and even that of different types of people, like, you know, from the busy executive yeah. to that God-fearing member of the Presbyterian Church married to a data scientist and former teetotaler. She's the one I got high. She's one of the ones I got high. Oh, my God. That was such a great touch. <laughs> Thank you. And I think that is really important as this plant, you know, as our, thankfully, our pendulum is swinging um, towards legalization and more acceptance of use. I think it is important to represent all the different people who grow it and use it for totally different reasons. Well, and yes, and just the normalization of cannabis now being an acceptable part of someone's at-home garden. Yeah, which is so cool. It turns out it's a really cool plant to grow. If, if any of you listeners are curious I can't really speak to growing indoors. I don't know anything about it. I don't consider indoor gardens gardens. Sorry, send the hate mail. Um, but <laughs> to her, to that uh, Joanna, not this Joanna. <laughs> to the, send it to Joanna. No. <laughs> but it, um, it 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 grows so big so fast. Like you can't grow anything out. There's no other summer annual, you know, quick summer crop that can rival cannabis with how fast and big it grows. From and a gardening standpoint, that's fun. Yeah. And whenever it's growing and you walk by it and just the, the perfumes and the fragrances that are, you know, just bubbling up around, I love that. And and also being able to um, play with the companion crops that are around cannabis and being able to, you know, have cannabis right in the middle of, say, your eggplant and, you know, some tobacco or yarrow or whatever. I mean, it's yeah. fun for people to to see how all of these different plants work in harmony and can live and help each other grow. Yep. And, uh, and just be pretty. Yeah. I'm into pretty. I'm yeah. into pretty gardens. I'm into pretty gardens. And speaking of, I'll be in trouble with my sister if I don't at least ask you one technical gardening question. She is at home in the middle of getting her summer garden going. And she's been sending me these beautiful pictures of the different planters and, you know, the raised beds and in the dirt and all the things she's doing. Um, but she had, she just recently had a seed that sprouted as twins. And, you know, all the other seeds were taking off and, and shooting up. And this one, it was like the seed cap was stuck. And so she like gently kind of helped it 
come off. And she found these two little preemie sprouts underneath there. And so we were just discussing and she was like, I need you to ask Joanna a question for me. Um, It was a weed seed? Yes. Okay. So Joanna sent me this question in advance and I'm glad you did because I totally Googled it um, because it's never happened to me. And I didn't do anything cannabis specific. I just Googled seed sprouted to whatever. All that came up was cannabis and citrus. Interesting. Personally, I have never had it happen to me with any crop. I don't want to say it's a weed thing um, because I one thing I immediately thought of is like how much more precious weed seeds are because of their price and maybe the limit on how many you can grow than any other kind of seed. So part of me is just curious, like, oh, do other people not notice when their radishes sprout to two radish babies because who cares? Right. Um, so I don't know if it's a weed thing, but it maybe it's a weed thing. And then if it's a weed thing, um, yeah, people were all, all about it. And so I think the, the answer is, I don't know a hundred percent if they're both viable. I would treat it exactly like I would treat if you've ever planted two seeds too close together and you have some options. You basically can't keep them super close because Plants need as much room below ground as they have above, uh, as the mass they have above ground. So they're each going to need that root space. Mm-hmm. So if I have two, if I have two, let's say tomato babies, tomatoes, well, you know what? It depends how many seeds I'm starting. Sometimes you can gently separate them. I would wait till they're out of that crazy embryonic stage. You know, you can let them grow a little. She should let them grow a little bit mm-hmm. um, until they have some true leaves, like maybe until they're, I don't know let's say three inches tall and then she can dig up the whole root ball uh-huh. and gently sort of tease them apart. Sometimes they, they just separate really cleanly. You just want to try and cause as little root damage as possible. Um, and then the other option, which you probably don't want to do because cannabis seeds are so precious is you can just choose whichever one looks like it's doing better. And at some point take scissors and snip the other one and it'll just wither and die. And the, the one will keep growing. Got it. Well, that's good advice. That'll give her a place to start. And by See, the way, that's like gardener advice. That's not like weed expert. Like, so but, I don't know. But, but that's exactly the beauty of your book. You because people that are in this in the fringe of the culture or just trying to dip their toe into the cannabis culture, they don't want anybody thinking they're a weed gardener. Right, you know, right, they. Right. So, okay, I'll let her know. And by the way, she did message me this morning and said she's totally enjoying your book. She had pre-ordered it. So they are being delivered. People are receiving them. Yes, they are. All the pre-orders were great and they are being delivered. Um, They're just not, it's just a little slower. And then, you know, the bookstore situation and the book tour situation are a little bit. Yeah, all that. Right now. Yeah. Yeah, your life got put on shutdown for a hot minute. All of our lives. Right. Yeah. It's honestly, it's the least of my concern. I actually think it's a really good time for the book and the content. I think people want to, well, people are stuck at home and people want to be growing stuff. Yeah. It's a a weird time for a book launch, but it's, um, but for yours, it's ideal. So what piece of advice would you give those kind of curious listeners who are stuck at home right now with a backyard and time on their hands? 
You know, I think, again, it's the advice I'd give to any, if you want to grow anything, it's just not, it's just not to be scared. I think it is so easy in our technologically advanced lives to be so scared to garden. Um, You know, like I have people who want to start from clone because they're too scared to start from seed. And I explain to them that seed starting is actually gives you a much more forgiving juvenile plant than a clone that is fussy from the get go. Um, And just to not be scared. I mean, it's, it might not have been in your life, but it's so deep in your blood to bury a seed, you know, water it and watch it grow and not be scared at my book. I think it will hold your hand and you'll be okay. Get out there and like pull some weeds. I don't know. I find the earth so grounding. Like it really calms me down. I spent my entire layoff period weeding oxalis from my, you know, from my yard. I think like my best thinking and calming down happens with my hands in some earth. Yeah. And I, I believe that too. And especially now, you know, people do have heightened anxiety and, you know, we're being forced to shelter in place, but we all need to get our daily dose of vitamin D and fresh air and, you know, just being in the sunshine, hands and feet in the dirt, I think is good therapy right now for any of us. Yeah. And I think for your listeners who don't have much outdoor space to know that you can grow things in um, lightweight containers, so long as said vessel has a hole in it, you can grow something in it. It does not need to be any specific material to grow, you know, weed or any food. It should be food safe. It shouldn't be like a tire. Don't grow things in tires if you're going to eat it. Um, But other than that, you're pretty good. And even if you're indoors, I mean, like start some seeds of something in a sunny windowsill and they might not come to maturity, right? Like that crop might fail, but enjoy the little friends you make along the way and watch them contort and get weird before they give up. Yeah, a little sweet little herb garden in the windowsill. Why not? I like that. Why not? And I loved the New York City bathtub (laughs) growing. Yes. Yep. (laughs) That's so hilarious. So the bathtub was outside on the guy's balcony. Not he wasn't it wasn't in his house. But right, you know outside on the balcony. But I'm like such a clever, clever vessel to use and, you know, just a an interesting way to do things. So it you don't have to be in California to make this happen. You can be in the middle of a major metro. Exactly. And right, to your point, I do have interviews with people, you know, Arizona, Vermont, New York City, Denver, who are who speak to their own climactic you know, opportunities and challenges from living where they live and Look, if you know anything about the plant, you know it's been taken everywhere and can grow anywhere. So it can grow everywhere in the world. I love it. If people want to connect with you after the show, where can they find you? So I'm probably most active on Instagram, and my handle is Jojo Silver. If they want, my website is joannasilver.com. I have the silent H like you. Um, and then when life does get up and running again, I will certainly be rebooking a whole bunch of stuff. 
um, a bunch of talks at various places. I was going to be in New York. I was going to be in San Diego. I was going to be in Denver. So hopefully doing some travel with the book. And I love talking to gardeners. So find me. My Instagram, like I've thrown out all of my rules and there's currently like a lot of my toddler on my stories. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was previously like not allowed on Instagram, but now that I'm spending all day, every day with him, he's, um, yeah, he's your, he's your co-gardener right now. Yeah. When he, I had to take him inside today, um, because he pulled plants. He's not allowed to. So I'm training him. Uh Yeah. You're going to garden with mommy. And if you pull the plants that you're not supposed to, we go inside. Come on, you got to learn, kid. Well, and I love that you're starting him out early, letting him make friends with the plants and and understand the the beauty of the ecosystem. Well, it's my happy place, so I want to be out there. I don't know if he'll grow up and love it or hate it, but damn it, don't pick my parsley. <laughs> now, where can people find your new book, Growing in the Garden, Growing Weed in the Garden? So... In non-pandemic times, the line is everywhere books are sold, which is true, everywhere. Um, These days, online, anywhere, Amazon, IndieBound, Barnes & Noble, Powell's, anywhere you like to order your books from. Is there Um, one that it serves you better than another? Okay. Um, Nope, nope. And then if um, if you're wary of receiving packages for any reason, be it worker overload or your health, um, there's a digital, you can order like the Kindle version or digital version online. And if you do that, I just also recommend getting a hard copy if you can when life opens back up from your local bookseller, because that will help support their recovery. Awesome. I think that's great advice. Now, is there anything that you would like to say that maybe I didn't ask you or a shameless plug? I mean, I know we're plugging the book, but is there anything else that you want us to know? No, you know, I think I was so nervous when Kitty told me to write and I and I started reaching out to people. I was so nervous that people would say like, oh, you are a day late and a dollar short. Get out. And I was met with open arms by everyone I encountered in the cannabis community, from seed breeders to farmers to everyone. And I think there was a lot of gratitude for any normalization happening. And I just want to say thank you. Um, I just want to say thank you. It's been an incredible experience and I've opened up the whole world for myself and um, I had an absolute blast. And I love that you having this experience has created this gift that you now get to give everyone else. So it's really a full circle moment. Yep. It's, it's been the whole thing has been a blessing in disguise and it's been just too much fun. I love that. I think that happens all the time in life. Everything is happening for our highest good, whether we know it or not. Yep. We have to rise to the challenge sometimes. That is true. That is true. Well, Joanna, I'm so happy that you joined me today and that I could give you some adult conversation in the middle of the afternoon. Before I go back to to two and a half year old land, oh my God, kill me! I am microdosing through this whole pandemic. Well, I am proud of you. I'm suddenly a regular user, and I'm deeply creative with my child, and like attentive and in the present moment. It's amazing. 
I tell people all the time, cannabis makes parents better at their job. So I'm glad that you are are witnessing that and having that experience. Yep, I am. Well, I look forward to finally meeting you in person since we are pretty close to being neighbors. I would love to. All right. Thank you so much for having me. Certainly. And everyone go out and get Growing Weed in the Garden by Joanna Silver. No, 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 no. No, everybody stay home and order it. Don't go out. Nobody go out. I like interrupted your perfect thing. (laughs) Don't go out. Yes. Stay home. Stay home. Consuming your content and starting your garden. There you go. Thank you. All right. Bye, Joanna. I hope this double dose of Joe inspired you to get outside and put your hands and feet in the dirt. Joanna wrote an easy-to-understand, jargon-free guide to casually growing cannabis in your garden. It includes the simplest, most effective techniques that involve the least amount of equipment. That is what I'm talking about. So whether you decide to grow cannabis or cucumbers, just remember it is a wonderful time to nurture your relationship with nature. Visit the podcast 130 show notes at casuallybaked.com to learn more about Joanna Silver and find links to purchase your copy of Growing Weed in the Garden, a no-fuss seed-to-stash guide to outdoor cannabis cultivation. And her first book, The Bold Dry Garden, Lessons from the Ruth Bancroft Garden. And under normal circumstances, both are available everywhere books are sold. We had a If you appreciated this episode of the podcast, I hope you'll share it with a canna curious gardener in your life. At-home projects are a great way to give your mind a break from any scary stories you might be hearing or telling yourself. I'm not watching any television these days, and I'm spending less time on social media. Lately, I find myself more attracted to hands-on activities to channel my energy and creativity. It's shown up a lot in the kitchen, preparing fun and flavorful meals from the produce I'm still able to purchase from my local farmer's market. After talking with my named twin, I'm excited to start a little herb box for my kitchen windowsill since I don't have outdoor space. In isolation, it can be easy to talk yourself into a rut. So it feels good getting inspiration from others to mix things up or experiment with something new. I'd love to know what you're doing to nurture yourself, your creativity, or your relationship with nature. Connect with me through the website, tag Casually Baked in your social post, or DM me. I'm at Casually Baked on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Warning, my response times are slower than usual. But when you get one, it's going to be heartfelt, guaranteed. Casually Baked, the podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Arnav Gupta. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create High Time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out.
Next week, I'm finally answering a batch of listener questions in a Canacurious Q&A sesh. I hope you'll join me. And if you're interested in planting a seed of support, please consider becoming a podcast patron to help my show grow like a weed. The signs of spring are everywhere, promising that our current reality will fade and everything will begin anew. <sighs> Breathe in the sweet truth of that thought and puff, puff, puff. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. How do cannabis CEOs balance growth and optimization strategies? What is THCO, Delta 10, and CBNA, and why should you care about these minor cannabinoids? And why is an endocannabinoid system covered in medical school? Most people think they're up to date in trends in the cannabis industry, but they're about six weeks behind. Learn about what is truly next in the cannabis space by joining myself, Brian Fields, and Kellen Finney every week on the Dime Podcast, and of course, on PodConnects. Sit on.